The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pixies Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Wilbur Sitter, your host. This is a Week 15 NFL recap. We're going to break down Saturday and Sunday's games. We've actually reserved a, uh, I think it's a 17 and a half minute time slot for Ryan Wilson to talk about the World Cup final. Very excited about it. It was, I'll be honest, joining me, by the way, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, boys? How you doing? Uh, Breach. Did you know we've decided to give me my own podcast because Brinson refuses to make this read with the first pick you, podcast? You like I, it's, it's like rude to introduce you and like to, to come on with the first pick is a new NFL draft pod hosted by me and NFL GM Rick Spielman. Anyway, we do it every Monday, 2 p.m. Live. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. The World Cup final was amazing and it. It was, it was electric, man. Electric. It set the stage for another great day of American football after a wonderful uh, international football game, as they call it. Johnny, Johnny, be bad. You are. Uh, this is your flu game, I guess. You say you feel pale. You feel sick. You actually, you've been, you haven't eaten anything. You're throwing up. You're uh, using the bathroom every 17 minutes. Uh, we're proud of you for fighting through it and coming on this. Podcast. I'm here. I've eaten four bananas since Friday morning. That's what I'm working on, but I'm good now. No, the, the gross stuff ended Saturday night, Sunday morning. I've, I've got, I'm 12 hours clean. I'm ready to roll with only bananas in my system. Yikes. Let's <laughs> just leave Banana that out of context. Um, <laughs> honestly, like Saturday, Saturday nights, Saturday, all day Saturdays football, NFL football was fantastic. We had two snow games, the craziest Vikings Colts game you could possibly imagine. Then you wake up on Sunday morning, you get this incredible World Cup final that ends with Messi winning in PKs after, I mean, there were like seven or eight shots that could have like just lasers that could have gone in, just great saves. And like the second that the World Cup final ends, the NFL football kicks off and the one o'clock slate was so good. Two overtime games could have been three. And then the four o'clock games were not, you know, there's less games, but they were still really intriguing and made a lot, made a lot of difference in terms of the playoff seating. So we're going to try and do some winners and losers who doesn't love winners and losers. And I would suggest humbly that the New York football giants, Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, Saquon effing Barkley, who looked 
like he's like getting back there. I think I think I would if if you can find Saquon Barkley plus money, comeback player of the year, you should bet that. Geno Smith's still the favorite. I think Saquon could steal this. Saquon was, you could see him, he's getting it back. It's perfect timing. He's in a contract year. Ryan Wilson. Are the are the dreams of the, the Washington commandos dead? And are the Giants a playoff team? Well, they're both still in the playoffs, so that's good. I mean, Washington lost, and that tie, Breach has talked about it for weeks now. That tie is going to help whichever team lost this game. So that's why Washington's still there. Uh, ahead of, of Seattle and some team called the Lions, who are both at seven and seven. So you know, destiny in your own hands, all sorts of that other sort of, sort of conversation. Uh, but I, I think for New York, you, you sort of hit on it. I think that you know this team has been playing well above their means the entire season. And I think a lot of credit goes to Joe Shane and, and more importantly Brian Dable because, and you know, I don't mean this as any disrespect to the previous coaching staffs in New York, but Brian Dable apparently is very special when it comes to uh, quarterback whispering it up. We saw it obviously in Buffalo and we're seeing it with Daniel Jones, who who looks like an NFL starting quarterback and one who's going to get paid in some fashion to stay in New York, I would imagine. But in in the meantime, they had lost two of their last three and the the other game, uh, three of the last four, excuse me. And the other game was a tie with the aforementioned uh, commanders two weeks ago. So this was a huge win for them. And it just looked like they were struggling to score points and that the offense was sort of flatlining and all those comeback wins they had early in the year where they just sort of pulled the rabbit out of their hat in the last 10 or 15 minutes. Those things weren't materializing. And this week, several people that, that you know, we've worked with or used to work with our Giants fans tweeted something to the effect of uh, that Giants drive, which I think was like 15 plays, whatever it was, uh, you, was the best drive we've seen in like a decade. And, and I think that's the takeaway. And the other takeaway for me, Breach, is that I feel like every week we yo-yo up or yo-yo down based on how the team played for those 60 minutes. But I think it's now time to start taking a, a, a larger look. And that could even include the Dolphins based on how they played. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think this team has not punched their playoff ticket, but they're in fantastic shape without looking at Stephen O's latest simulations, which I'm guessing he's doing as we speak. 87% according to 538. Just yeah, that, that feels pretty, the, pretty great. That the Giants get in. 35%. Sorry, Rich, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I agree with some of what Ryan said. I'm not sure I would feel uh, very comfortable with my offense if I'm the Giants. They only scored 13 points because, remember, they had a defensive touchdown here. So that's not exactly an electrifying number, a number that wows you or pops off the page. And also, uh, you know, it, it's just and Dale Jones looked decent and Saquon Barkley did uh, carried most of the load for that offense tonight. But the thing is, their defense looks playoff caliber. I mean, we've seen it. The, the Giants are the poster child for a team that gets into the playoffs with a so-so offense and then runs to the Super Bowl because their defense just plays so well and puts so much pressure on the quarterback, which is exactly how they beat the commanders. I mean, they were just beating up on Taylor Heineke, whether it was the sacks, whether it was the Kayvon Thibodeau strip sack for a touchdown. If they play like that and treat quarterbacks like that, they can win any playoff game, even if their offense does struggle a little bit. Uh, And so you do feel a little bit bad for the commanders, though, because you don't want to lose these controversial games. You know, the the officiating at the end was... uh, Don't sugarcoat it. First of all, like the the point about Thibodeau, like, is it Thibodeau or Thibodeau? How are we doing this? I think he said Thibodeau last year at the Super Bowl. I thought it was Thibodeau. Whatever. Kayvon is unbelievable. Like, if you if we think Evan Neal is a good offensive lineman, then 
the Jets and the Giants smashed this draft. To your point, Breach, that last play, the, the lack of a flag against the Giants on that play where Curtis Samuel was absolutely mugged multiple times is just egregious. And I think that like this goes back to the bigger problem of are are the are like is this is this inconsistency the consistency we're expecting? AKA like if it's the last play of the game, you can do whatever the hell you want and just grab someone. You know, and there was a um a penalty on Terry McLaurin too. Terry McLaurin said that he confirmed that the ref okayed his alignment before the snap. I pride myself on paying attention to details. So I guess breach of like, is this a, like, is this a, what, what is it? What, why are we letting this happen at the end of games like this? I mean, that clip is damning where, where he literally looks over at the official. We're talking about the five yard penalty, not the interference, which was obviously interference. Right. Looking over at the official, like, Hey man, am I on the line? Are we good here? And usually the official, if they think you need to move, will tell you, this is not something this occurs all the time in the NFL. This is nothing that would have been out of the ordinary. And so for the official not to do anything and then throw the flag is just breach. Let me just interrupt you quickly. Not, not only did he throw the flag, he threw the flag the millisecond the ball was snapped. <laughs> he couldn't point to where he wanted uh, McLaurin to be because he was trying to fumble around to find his flag. I, I will say this, not in defense of the official, but McLaurin wasn't quite on the line of scrimmage, but the guy who was in the slot was a step behind him. So if you're using that as your guide, number one, McLaurin was in front of him. Number two, to your point, just tell them to move up like officials do all the time. It was a weird flex. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I, I don't want to blame everything on the officials because but they didn't even get home. They didn't get home cooking. I mean, the last play, the McLaurin play, the two point conversion, which was suspect. I, I think, you know, I think the problem is, I think the problem is that we have a, it's like the, it's the, it's like the rich local, like a, like a local business that's, you know, you know, has developed a, a good, like whatever it is. It's like, they're not spending The NFL is not spending money where it needs to be spending it to make sure that the product that everyone sees on these Island games is sufficiently acceptable. There's not so even the many, Island games. I mean, what about the, the touchdown and the Raiders game? Keenan, Keenan Cole. No doubt. But, but I'm saying we, we sort of gloss over it because there's so much happening in these spots and it becomes more noticeable in these island games. And it's so obvious that when the NFL is dealing with five or six or seven games at once, that the NFL officiating office cannot handle dealing with any kind of replay scenario. They can't even like, they can't even, they, I mean, we're watching who's, who can't watch six TVs, like who can't hire enough people to watch six TVs with worth of football. But you get one island game, and all of a sudden they're flipping every single call over left and right. And I don't want to make it about the officials because that that kind maybe of... they want it this way because clearly they, they, it, it's a billion dollar industry. And you know I'm at the point, and maybe the NFL this is what they want. I am out of f's to give. Like I can't waste any more energy on it because nothing's going to change. And maybe the NFL just wants people to get tired of it and go on to something else because this has been going on. How, how many years ago was the pass interference of the Saints Saints game? I mean, how long ago was that? Four or five years. Yeah, that yeah, was. You, uh, you could argue has called it. I mean, it's been twelve years. You could you could argue that certainly nothing's changed, and I don't think you could argue things have gotten better. It feels like things have maintained or gotten worse, and it, you know, I don't. I mean, why can't you have cameras everywhere? Why is that so difficult? And why January, can't you, it was January twenty nineteen? So it's it's literally only been 
four years. Man, it feels like a decade. But anyway, yeah. So uh, the other thing, Breach, you were talking about, you, you weren't crazy about the way the offense of the Giants worked. I would point out that Richie James was the leading receiver and Isaiah Hodgins, who they got off the Bills practice squad, was the second leading receiver and then Saquon Barkley. So Daniel Jones has no one to throw the ball to. And I, I feel like if they if he had more opportunities to throw to playmakers, they might be more uh, effective. But I take your point. They're not racking up points like they're, you know, the Steelers, for example. Steelers joke. <laughs> Making fun of your own team. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I think that, I don't know, man. I think that, that that game, I don't think that game was decided by that final play. There were lots of things that could have happened. It's just every freaking time there's an island game, there's some kind of officiating that is just goes poorly. Daniel Jones, first career win in primetime previously, courtesy of our crack. CBS Sports HQ research team, 0-9 in career in primetime, 12 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions before. My goodness, that is terrible. Uh, but he got the win here, and like I, I do think there's a – we'll move on to another game. There's going to be plenty of NFC East discussion, but I, I do feel like this season has been by far and away, and I think it's a credit to Brian Dable. It's a cre- credit to the, the Joe Shane, the entire coaching staff – the best season of Daniel Jones career in the sense that he's played well, they've won games and he hasn't been a storyline or like a, a, a joke. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I agree. Breach. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you're too good of a coach because now you have to give some serious thought to keeping Daniel Jones. Yeah. But I mean, that's a good problem to have. It ain't like it's his name's Andy Dalton or anything. 87% sound about right. Rain man of the picks for the giants. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel like they're at eight and five and one. Cause yeah, they win one more game and they're in a pretty comfortable spot because they would get in over any nine and eight team. So, breach stamp of approval, New York Giants. Congratulations. You know who else is a winner for this slate on Sunday? You know who it is, Wilson. Go ahead. You can apologize. It's fine. Trevor Reginald Lawrence the third. Is that his real name? No, but it would be awesome if it was. That would be a totally accurate name for him. I mean, uh, look, look. I'm not. I'm not trying to peacock on Trevor Lawrence. I think my take was just perfectly reasonable. What to, was your take? My take was that Trevor Lawrence will be good and that last year with Urban Meyer was kind of a wash. And a Way out on a limb on that one. Go ahead. Uh, again, <laughs> I, I literally said that. But I'm allowing you. What's, tell me my take. I'll so draft I analyst to waltz back in to the Trevor Lawrence ballroom of exceptionalism where we celebrate great quarterbacks. Sponsored by. Better help. Uh, tell me, my, tell me my take, so I know it first, so I can. You, you have been, you have told me that Trevor Lawrence was a loser. Yeah, peaked in I, high school. Peaked in high school. Yeah, no, 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 peaked in middle school. Middle school, yes. Uh, he was, was, was six middle school. Sweeney's offense. Yeah, was a poor man's Justin Fields and a poorer man's Mac Jones. True, those are all true. And he would be working at a uh, a White Castle in two years, and that he doesn't really deserve to be in the NFL. Would you okay. like to change? I can't refute any of those things. Um, I said, I asked you in week four or five or six or seven, should we be worried about Justin Fields? Uh, Justin Fields. We should be worried about him because he's not going to live much longer. We should be worried about Trevor Lawrence. Um, and after that, he's been playing lights out. I didn't hate Trevor Lawrence. I didn't certainly didn't think he should be benched for Gardner Minshew when they trade him back from Philadelphia on a, for a third-round pick back to Jacksonville. I was just asking questions because he, he wasn't playing well. But I think you were right. Urban Meyer apparently is not good for your NFL future. And he he set that poor man back, poor young man back. So he is back on track, and he 
man, I watched a lot of the game today. He outplayed Dak Prescott by a, a country mile, as they say in, in North Carolina. I mean, good for him. He had one bad interception, came right back, um, matriculated the ball down the field, made some plays with his legs. He did have that that fumble that, that could have proved costly, but it was only him trying to hustle. He, he had just gotten the first down. He was close to the getting in the field goal range, and, and he got hit from behind. And unlucky play from, from trying hard. So, yeah, I mean – Actually, I wrote down in my notes, I said, this team is, what I say? Basically, this team is, um, next year, they're, they're going to be a playoff team. And yeah, you could go. argue. Let's go. Yeah, so I was never down on him. I just had questions. I mean, you know, I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was Zach Wilson. But I, I did wonder if, if, <laughs> if it, it was sort of too much. I, uh, I, look, I'm, I'm not. I, I, Pete Prisker and I talked about this with the, the pick spot last week, Breach. And. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not trying to peacock here on Trevor Lawrence. I think, I think that it's very easy in 2022 when we look at these prospects to freak out after one bad year of a highly evaluated player and say, oh, he just can't be good. And I, I, to me, what we've seen over the last four or five, six weeks of Trevor Lawrence breach is like, this guy is going to be an elite level quarterback to, to me. At, at the worst, he's a Pro Bowl level quarterback, and if you're the Jaguars, I don't see how you can screw this up. Yeah, I, I mean, Brent, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Urban Meyer thing. Your your crazy theory panned out that it, last year felt like a redshirt year. It was a throwaway year, and it wasn't Trevor Lawrence's fault that he got drafted by the most incompetent coaching staff in the history of football. Uh, he made it through it. Now he's with a much smarter coach and Doug Peterson, and he had to learn Doug Peterson's offense. He wasn't going to come in there and master it from week one. He slowly got adjusted to it. He's been getting better every single week. That's what you want to see if you're Doug Peterson, if you're a Jacksonville fan, and that's exactly what's happened. And you mentioned the last few games. In his last six games, his touchdown to interception ratio is 14 to 1. And his only interception came today against the Cowboys. And so you're talking about two straight games where he's thrown three or more touchdown passes. He had never done that as career. He didn't do that last year with Urban Meyer because that's something that's impossible with <laughs> Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's the worst coaching hire in the history of any sport. Yeah, and so you look, if you're Jacksonville, all of a sudden you feel very, very comfortable about your future. You look at the rest of this division, the Colts don't have a quarterback. Tennessee's falling apart at the seams. Houston is Houston. So you're thinking, man, if we can, we have Trevor Lawrence for the next more than a decade, we might be able to start dominating this division. So, yeah, I think it feels like Jacksonville's fortunes are starting to change. Clip that. But does that I, mean they're going to win the division this year? Mm? I do. I think it does. I, I think they're going to win the division. What's the uh, what's the probability on that? Are you looking at that? Right, well, let's. Uh, I, I could tell you, but let's look at these two games sort of combined, right? Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans lost to the Chargers on, and you, you talk about like suit like elite level quarterbacks. Holy f! That throw from Justin Herbert to set up the game winning field goal. Like that's, that's my social media quarterback. Oh my god! You know we, uh, we you know friend of the podcast Austin Eckler, Chargers running back, was asked about that last week. And was like, I, I don't even give that any recognition, or something like that. Good for Austin. Good yeah. for A and E. Yeah, you don't give. You don't need to give. If somebody's trying to create noise in order to raise their brand awareness at the expense of someone else's reputation, you don't need to give them any credit. 
And when you have the Chargers social media team, you don't need to do anything anyway because they will yeah, take care of the ravage, bro. take care of the ravaging. Um, so the Titans lose. Chargers Chargers beat the Titans by three points. Titans cover, by the way. Shout out to me, best bet. You had a, you had a rough week, by the way. Did I? Oh boy, I don't really I don't really care. Um, <laughs> whatever. The the Jaguars. There were like there were like four or five plays by Trevor Lawrence in this game where you're like, oh my God, this like, it sort of felt like he's like the stuff that Doug Peterson's been saying the last few weeks about the, not the light bulb coming on, but like the light bulb getting brighter. You could see it. Like he's way more comfortable. He trusts his guys out there. Zay Jones, who listen, if you played football at ECU, you know, you could potentially be good, but you, you shouldn't be like an elite level wide receiver. And this guy is out here balling. Like Trevor Lawrence is elevating his teammates against a playoff caliber team, one of the best teams we think in the NFC. And I don't want to rip the Titans because I think they were really banged up and they they fought hard as hell and kept Justin Herbert pretty subdued. But the Jaguars are so live for this division for the AFC South. One game back with three games left. Who, who would you uh, take right now if you had to take Jaguars or Titans? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I mean, not, not that I have a ton of faith in Tennessee. I just don't – I just mentioned this. I don't like to get on the yo-yo roller coaster. I get on it. I don't want to get on it anymore of going back and forth week in and week out of saying these teams are good and bad and then just having my hopes and dreams crushed each and every Sunday night. So I, I don't know who the Jacksonville Jaguars are. Uh, here's the, let me ask you this breach. Who do you trust more? The Titans or the Jaguars? Uh, I mean, I would, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said Tennessee, but I don't know this Tennessee team. They're just Mm-mm. choking away. Tannehill's hurt. So who knows losing, about that? Getting beat up, not going away from Derrick Henry at odd points in a game where they should have been running him the entire game. So uh, the good news is well, maybe it's not good news. I mean, the Texans are playing incredibly hard. They almost beat the, the the Chiefs and they almost won last week too, I think. So Tennessee plays Houston at home, then they get the Cowboys and they finish with Jacksonville. So I mean that feels like one and three to me. <laughs> one, one and one. But the Jaguars are at the Jets, at the aforementioned Texans. And Jets then, games this Thursday. So you only have four days and it's on the road. Mike White, I don't know if he'll be back or not. I'm not sure what the, the plan is with him. Zach Wilson. Yeah, uh, there was great. a report on, I believe, from Mike Florio on Sunday night that it is very, very unlikely that Mike White will play Thursday. Zach Wilson didn't didn't do much in terms of I thought he was okay. He okay. Well, he ain't better. I, than Mike thought, I thought he was. I thought he was better than the benched guy we thought who might show up and be like murdered by his teammates in the middle of the field guy. Okay, I, I don't feel good about about him going against your boy Trevor Lawrence. Let me put it to you that way. I will take the Jaguars as well. So, yeah, I, I'm actually I'm now looking at the, at the schedule and considering the Tannehill's injury and just the way it feels like the Titans are letting this thing slip away. Maybe I'm leaning towards the Jaguars. I, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that if Dak Prescott doesn't throw this game away, that the Titans essentially could have won the division if Jacksonville had lost. Because they would have been five and they would have been two games up with three games left, and really just need to win one more game at that point. But doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that Titans Jacksonville game. Circle it because it might be our Sunday night game in Week 18. 
Oh, that's a, that's a great call. With, with the AFC South on the line. Okay, so what are the Chargers? Love them. You guys are trying to bury my guy Brandon Staley. They're playing well. What? I know. I you probably feel bad about it. The Chargers are getting the playoffs when we talked about this last week. So they're eight and six. They're the sixth seed. They're ahead of the, the Dolphins. And actually, they're they're pretty close in terms of their They close with the, the Colts, the Rams, and the Broncos. There you Chargers go. Chargers the playoffs. Nice. Right, take, take that act somewhere else, Sean Payton. <laughs> I, I think I think there's a chance we get some like really like surprising spicy playoff matchups, and we'll talk about that when we do the playoff picture. But like we could get Jaguars, Chargers, some like I, the Browns aren't totally dead, Lions, <laughs> Panthers, like some weird teams in the playoffs, and I'm excited for it. I want it in my life, need it in my life, almost as much as I need. Dan Campbell, a massive winner on Sunday because the Lions, after starting one and six, have gone six and one. They were allowing 32.1 points per game through the first seven games of the season. They've allowed under 20, 19.9 points per game, the last seven games. They're plus nine in terms of their point differential, the last seven games. You can see all of this if you want to on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. If you're watching live right now, smash the like button. Uh, Billy's in the comments giving away free Paramount Plus gift cards, so check that out. Hit subscribe and turn on alerts. Wilson, I begrudgingly give you credit. You 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 gave me credit for Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying I, I believed in the Lions, but man, like I I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that wants to play this team right now. No, they've they've won six or seven for the first time since 2014. It feels like it should be like 2000 or 1914. But um, yeah, they're playing they're playing well. And you mentioned the defense starting to step up. And Zach Wilson had 317 yards, uh, 18 and 35. Probably four of those throws that were deep completions were just jump balls in which he got lucky. He had a terrible interception in the third quarter. Jared Goff, meanwhile, continues to ball out. No interceptions. I don't think he had any fumbles. He did not. So no turnovers for Jared Goff yet again. Continues to make really good decisions. And they went for it on fourth and inches on their own 49-yard lines with two minutes to go. It was 20-17 to 17 Detroit at the time. Brock freaking right. They don't run the ball. They what, a, look, what, a, a little, what a hang your onions on the table moment for Dan, for Dan Campbell. I, so Jared Goff drops back. It's like, you a quarterback snake. He drops back like, oh, my God, he's going to sack. This game's going to turn. Nope. Finds Brock freaking right, who rumbles 51 yards, virtually untouched. I don't even know if he got touched in that play, into the end zone uh, for, for the, the game deciding, the game sort of convincing uh, score. And then the Jets try to get back into it, and Zerline honked a 58-yard field goal at the at the buzzer there um, to make it 20, to, to remain 2017. It was 17-13, excuse me, the Jets were up when they when they scored on that fourth and inches. But the, I mean, you're exactly right. No one wants to play the Giants, uh, the, the Lions, excuse me. I'm around, yeah, I'm in Ross St. Brown is, is balling out. Uh, DeAndre Swift had a good game. Jamal Williams is doing his thing. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot to like about this team and, and credit to Dan Campbell, who I would imagine is a front runner for coach of the year. For um, uh, coach of the year, it, it, that, I think that's the trickiest award going right now, man. How, Nick Sirianni, ha, if, if, the, if the Eagles like go 16 to 1, it, Breach, they have to, he has to get it right. 
Yeah, that's a lot of wins. You cannot not give the Sirianni if they go 16. But if you sure won but, but also playoff. Kyle Shanahan winning the division down to his third quarterback. What about Doug Peterson if they make the playoffs? Like <laughs> I think part of it, I don't know how they vote on this. Part of it has to do with carryover from last year. Like the you Eagles won the playoffs it. last year. San Francisco was good. Kevin O'Connell. I mean they're actually they're actually yeah, Kevin O'Connell counts too. There is a uh if uh, Drew Densick and I broke this down on the uh, deep dive podcast before the season, but there is a, you can sort of look at the, and this is obvious if you think about it, it's the win totals before the season, which is essentially Vegas expectations for a team. How the, the, the team that outperforms their win total expectation or their, their preseason win total, the most typically ends up with the coach of the year. All right. We'll see. No, I, I, dude, Dan, Dan, if Dan Campbell gets this team in the playoffs, he I'm not disputing it. I'm just saying, okay, I got you. I, 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 I think it's a tough call. Like, I mean, you could, I mean, all right, so Sirianni. Okay, if you give it to Dan Campbell, the surprise there would be: Are they going? Uh, they're seven and seven now. Are they getting a ten and seven? Or are they going nine and eight? And it, does nine and eight? Uh, I think they have to make the playoffs to for him to get the award. So if they go to the playoffs but go nine and eight, you think he w- he would win it? And we're gonna see what else happens with the other. Besides guys. the Bruce Arians interim year when he won Coach of the Year when he filled in for Chuck Pagano, do you guys know if a coach has ever won Coach of the Year in a season where they finished with single digit wins? I, I would presume that the answer is no. I'm going yes five times. Actually, that does seem like a sneaky trick breach question. It is a sneaky trick breach question. <laughs> The answer is yes, and you get one guess on the last time it happened. 1947. Uh, was it uh, It wasn't like, was it like, it, it was Ron Rivera, wasn't it? No, it was Jimmy Johnson, 1990 with the Cowboys. Oh, they, went, they went seven and nine the year after they went one and 15. So there was a huge, you know, six one improvement. And that's kind of what you're saying here with uh, Dan Campbell to be such a huge improvement that you don't have a choice but to give it to him. You also have to think about, how, will Cliff Kingsbury steal votes away from Dick Campbell? Yeah, that's that's that is a a huge concern. In, in all seriousness, you do need to think about the fact that this year, unlike other years, there have there like Pete Briscoe, who's a voter, one of the fifty voters for these awards, gets three gets to write down three names for Coach of the Year: first, second, and third. First place gets three points, second place gets two points, and and third place gets one point. That that's completely different from how they've done it before. So if Pete, like if Pete and these voters want to reward Dan Campbell with a ton of second place votes, and then like some guys vote for Dan Campbell first, he could steal it from Sirianni. Whereas in the past, that probably wouldn't have happened. Just worth noting. So breach. The Jets are now seven and seven. The Lions are now seven and seven. Both are ninth in their respective conferences. The Lions have the hurdle of the Giants and Washington being in front of them, both with a tie. But which team, in your mind? When you do your little breach rain man analytics, has the best chance of finding their way inside the playoff bubble. Um, I would say not the Jets. Love it. Mm. That's you know what is that we need to throw Robert Saul under the bus for oh his lack of timeout usage at the end of this game. I mean, you're playing, you end up playing for a 58 yard field goal, and I believe they even ended the game with a timeout in their pocket when there were two different parts on their final drive where they just let uh, over 20 seconds run off, 
trying to run the next play. So uh, there's no reason for your kicker to be forced to hit 58 yard field goal in that weather when you had two plays where you could have saved 15 to 20 seconds at least once. Uh, I'm laughing, Breach, because uh, the next to last play of the game was fourth and 18, and Zach Wilson runs around like he's he's being chased down an alley and throws up another arm punt that Elijah Moore catches for 19 yards, and time had run off, but they were able to get one second left on the clock. But if go if you go back two minutes and use the timeouts a little more wisely, you don't have to worry about all that nonsense at the end of the game to set up the 58-yarder that Zerline eventually pulled left, I believe. I mean, we, uh, you know, we we make fun of coaches for not understanding clock management. We ripped Jeff Saturday when it happened, saying, oh, he's an interim coach. But this happens with regular head coaches. Andy Reid did it for like 10 to like a decade, like like really poorly in the playoffs and the regular season. Uh, yeah. so. The Jets overachieved this year. Good job, Robert Sola. But it just doesn't feel like they're getting to the playoffs. Well, I, Although, I, you guys kill me for this all the time. But I, I'm, like, I'm like, you know, like if you have a, if you have 15 and two, and you're the number one seed in the NFC, and you just run into a hot team in the playoffs, it, it can still be a good season. It can, now, it's a disappointment, but it can be a good season. The Jets are in that in that area. They are going to have a good season, but ultimately it may end up being a disappointment. Now, the Jets' conversation makes sense. The other the 13-1 team losing the first round, that, that team does not feel good about it. The Jets are overachieving in breaches, uh, to Breach's point. Same with the, the, the Lions. Scott yes, Murphy. exactly. Ryan Scott Murphy. Like Zach Wilson, like they're related to Ryan, can't stand that branch of the family. Absolutely. 100%. Like he's probably like, I like, we've got to go see him for Christmas. And I'm like, ugh. He's going to have some stupid Zach's story. on Ryan's mom's side, and Russell is on Ryan's dad's side. Uh, Russell, it turns out, is adopted, Breach. <laughs> 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 we just found that out the other day. Some, uh, somebody, we were, we were like, uh, uh, NC State text. It's like, can we, can we take Russell? Like, can we just move Russell out and put Jacoby presented in the ring on him? Like, we just That's prefer it. Boom. Roasted. Thank you. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll tell you why the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, despite losing on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, are actually winners next. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. So the Miami Dolphins lost to the Bills. It's a great, it was a great game. I, I don't recall breach. And this is like right in your wheelhouse. Ever hearing a NFL PA announcer declare that if a football player on the field is hit with a snowball, that the home team will be finally hit with a 15 yard penalty. And yet we got that on Saturday. It, it, and you guys probably haven't been to, you've never been to fish shows. It's like when they start throwing glow sticks at fish shows, they were bombing snowballs onto the field. It was unbelievable to watch incredible theater. And man, I think Josh Allen also reinserted himself into the MVP conversation, but the Dolphins' performance in that, those conditions makes me feel better about their ability to close out this season. Yeah, you know what's funny, Brenton, is that if fans throw snowballs on the field, there is precedent for uh, <laughs> is this the a Cleveland threat strike? to come out from the NFL, from the PA announcer, and say, hey, look, uh, if these snowballs hit players, we're going to start throwing penalty flags. Because uh, one of my favorite moments of all time happened in 1989 with Bengals coach Sam Weish, who went on the field and said it was in Cincinnati. And he said, Bengals fans, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. Don't throw snowballs on the field or we're going to throw you out of the stadium. So I can't imagine uh, Sean McDermott jumping on the PA mic Saturday night and doing that. But yeah, so, you know, they want to get you to stop throwing snowballs whatever way they can. And by threatening to penalize the home team 15 yards, that is a pretty quick way to do it because it worked. Uh, besides the few reports we saw of Dolphins fans masking as Bills fans and throwing snowballs on the field to try and draw the penalty flag, which didn't work. But you know what? Uh, the whole storyline leading up to this game was the Dolphins wouldn't be able to function in cold weather. Well, one, I think the Dolphins caught a break because there was no snow for three and a half quarters. The snow just died down at 8, 11 p.m. Uh, and then stayed away for almost the entire game. And I really think that worked to Miami's advantage. And then, it helped that the Bills couldn't stop the run. You have Raheem Mostert, you just give him the ball, and he was just running up and down the field, looked like the roadrunner, and that kept Miami in the game. So, yeah, I thought Miami looked awesome, and this is the kind of game I think if you're a Dolphins fan, if you're a Dolphins player, you say, all right, we can play with these best teams in cold weather, which was obviously a huge concern in the lead-up to this game. So you feel much better now about two weeks from now going to Gillette Stadium and facing the Patriots? For the Dolphins, Yes, I don't feel much better if they have to go back to Buffalo in January. But do you I do create a, ga- a game plan where Jacoby Brissett gets the, uh, Jacoby Myers gets the ball as much as possible the the <laughs> and laddles it to the, to the <laughs> Dolphins players on Friday. If you would have asked me who is winning that Dolphins Patriots game, I would probably be like 52 48. I'm going to pick the Patriots now. I feel a lot more comfortable picking the Dolphins, but yeah. like some bizarre weather thing, obviously. Yeah, the right, wins right. over Wilson line for this, this Dolphins Bills game was like minus 12 and a half. Buffalo before the game. And obviously it was much closer than that. So yeah, I think you do have to feel a lot better about it. And that's, that's great news for Miami. I was obviously very concerned because when you take heaters to LA, which they did the week before against the chargers, when it's 55 degrees, you're like, okay, well, these guys clearly are are mentally not there, but they were Uh, more concerned as much as you can be about two of the best teams, the AFC more concerned with the bills or the chiefs with how they're playing now in terms of consistency. I like that question. I think that if you were doing a graph of the Bills and Chiefs and three weeks ago, the Bills would be going this way, mm-hmm. the Chiefs would be going this way. And For I people think who, who aren't watching on YouTube. 
Right, the bills should be going down. The Chiefs should be going up. Four, four. You're right. Thank you. Sorry, we've been corporate. Corporate is really ingrained this YouTube thing into my head. Um, and now I think that if you were picking a team to have the number one seed and to win the Super Bowl from the AFC, assuming you're only picking between two teams, Jonathan Timothy mm. Breach, I think you would take the Bills over the Chiefs. I, I might take the Bengals though, but. Um, I think I think the Bills are John Josh Allen looks like he is looks like he's a lot healthier than we thought. That team is like I don't know, man. They got that vibe about it. They're they're, they're like peaking at the right time, and it feels like the Chiefs are sort of treading a little bit of water heading into the final three weeks of the season. Breach. Yeah, the Chiefs don't. Uh, I, you know, just because we saw it last week with. The Cowboys and Texans, where maybe you just kind of sleep on the Texans, you overlook them. You're thinking, ah, we're playing the crappy Texans, the worst team in the league. Uh, but you would think the Chiefs wouldn't have done that because of what the Houston had just done with the Cowboys. And obviously, they go out there and just play a really weird game where they just, I mean, they dominated it. They were kind of, like Patrick Mahomes was 36 of 41. He completed 20 straight passes at one point. <laughs> they were moving the ball up and down the field, but they had two dumb fumbles. Uh, that I think Houston ended up scoring a touchdown after each one. So that's two of Houston's touchdowns, and those scores kind of kept them in the game. And then you had Harrison but- Butker's missed field goal at the end, where that's more of a concern than anything because he also missed that big field goal against the Bengals. And he missed, he missed an extra point, too. Yeah. Uh, there's, yes. there's, there's a penalty. They moved back, and he missed one, right? Am I wrong? He's missed five five field goals this year, Breach. Uh, yeah, he hadn't been great. Kickers, yes. are, kickers are wildly... Uh, inconsistent and should never warrant he missed, trust. Yeah, life. he missed the PAT right before halftime. And Such so you have the missed field goal, the missed PAT. And, you know, like the, the Chiefs are like the a cat that kind of toys with its food and they know they're better than the Texans. It didn't – this game was really close, but it never felt like the Chiefs were going to lose. Does that it, make sense? It does because the Texans find a way – Whatever the game, whether it's going four quarters or overtime, the last two plays, the Texans are going to shoot themselves in the foot, and then they're going to stand up and try to get to the phone, and they're going to shoot themselves in the face. So <laughs> KC punted the ball in overtime. The very next play, Davis Dumbass Mills fumbles the ball. The very next play after that, I think McKinnon rips one off for the game-winning touchdown in overtime. By the way, by the way I told multiple people not to start Jerry McKinnon this week in fantasy. So wow. everything's, everything's Are you mailing them checks now? No, I'm 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 du- I'm ducking their calls. But, but I think this Texas team would have. This is not like a huge count. Scores twenty four points in standard leagues. I, I think it would have uh, he, he would huge even I more think, in PPR leagues. I, I think they would have like four or five wins if David Kelly was the coach. I think they're playing hard for Lovey, man. This, this team is they're one twelve and one. They have no talent, and they just got rid of Jack Easterby, and I think maybe that. Whatever Paul that was over the organization, perhaps that's that that fog is clearing. They did play hard for David Cullen, no doubt about it, but they're playing hard for Lovey. And I, I think yeah, the right. the takeaway is if you hire the right coach, whether they've been good the last two weeks, they've been they fought hard as double digit underdogs the last two weeks without a quarterback. They 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 have a they sure. they have a rotating group of quarterbacks. Well, and, and like and, and you as our as our senior draft analyst, thank you. Up at this point. Um, we're, they're drafting somebody else, right? 
well, they're the first overall pick. Uh, I would take Bryce Young. NFL teams don't like him because he's small. They have another first round pick as well. So hopefully they get a, like an offensive lineman or a wide receiver or an edge rusher. When you when you win one game, you can draft anyone and get better. So um, last year they they did a good job with their picks, and they do a good job this year with their because they had two last year too. I, I would call Nick Saban and be like, hey, who should we draft? And then take the person he su- the other person he doesn't suggest, knowing that he doesn't want the best player to go to Houston. Um, Chiefs in good shape, eleven to three, hit their over on the win total. I, they haven't looked dominant in the last few weeks. I think the Bills have looked better, but both to me the it's Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, and do, do you want to put anybody else in that top tier? Bengals, man, what are you doing? Yeah, you purposely not putting the Bengals in there. Bills, it's, Chiefs, it's called, it's, Eagles. It's called, it's called a setup, guys. It's where what I do is I set it up, and you jump in, Bengals fan, and say I would like to take the Bengals, and then I reply and say, "How about this? We're gonna watch this clip." And then we'll talk about the Bengals next. Next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out. We get them out of here. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. R.I.P. Sam. What a, what a man. All right. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, I guess we don't have to take a break. Breach, you want to talk about the uh, Bengals? Oh, right now we take what's happening. I don't know. I, the, the entire reformatting of the show has completely confused me. All over well, you know, I'll just say about the Bengals real quick. This is nice and, and, and their ugliest first half I have seen them play all year. I mean, this was absolutely atrocious. Even if you give the Buccaneers credit and say they played better than they have over the past few weeks, uh, I, I mean, this was just classic Bengals where uh, what was classic, classic pre 2022. Well, the classic part is usually what ha- happens against division teams, Steelers uh, in week one, the Browns in the first meeting where something crazy happens on the first possession. In this case, it was a tipped interception. Yep. And then the wheels just fall off the wagon and they can't get anything together. Uh, I was most surprised that their defense could not get any pressure on Tom Brady and that Brady was absolutely dicing him up. And then, yes, they did lose Sam, uh, Sam Hubbard. They had already lost Trey Hendrickson. Those are two guys that you need in there to rush the passer. But, you know, you got to deal with injuries and you cannot let a Buccaneers team that has zero offense and has been horrible on offense just beat you up like that and put up 17 points in one half. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. We won defeat. <laughs> That's the best use of that clip yet. Good job, Billy. So, Breach, they're down 17 nothing at halftime, as you mentioned. And I ask you this occasionally because the, the Bengals typically aren't, aren't down anymore. Were you worried at any point over the first 30 minutes that the Bengals were not going to win this football game? I told Billy I was so sure the Bengals were going to win. I actually live bet them at halftime. Good that for you. Is, and I don't like betting on the Bengals ever because you know, you, if they lose, you don't want to be lose money and your team loses. Um, Do but either, that is, you, either you or Brinson want to stand up for Tom Brady and this Buccaneers team? Or are you guys officially? Oh, I'm, I'm still on Tom Brady. On the Tom Brady train. T- Tony Romo was on it at the end of the the the, uh, the, the broadcast. Well, I think this game proves... It's pretty good, this game. It proves Brinson's theory that it, if that t- first half Tom Brady comes out in a playoff game, you're going to poop your pants. You're going to be like, where was this guy? You fall down 17-3 to three in the playoffs. I don't Why know didn't the Bengals do that then? Because they got because Joe Burrow. Right. He's colder than ice. He's- they won the Super Bowl last year. Nothing phases them. They're they good. They Super Bowl last year to Matthew Stafford. But that's what, yeah, what, what, what universe did you just arrive from? Where the Bengals won the Super Bowl. If you get to the Super Bowl, they they were. Did you not watch the AFC Championship where they were trailing by eighteen points? This that these deficits don't phase them. Okay, Bulls. But gold, when but you're you talking guys... about the playoffs, when you're talking about 
what happens if it's Mike McCarthy's Cowboys behind 17 to nothing in the second quarter? You don't think Mike McCarthy's going to be like, oh, my God, what is happening? The football gods hate me. It's just a setup for uh, – Brinson, I'm trying to back up your point. You're no, I'm, not laughing. I'm, not laughing. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at something else. Breach, how much better would this Bengals team be if Dan Campbell were their coach? Uh, I don't know. Probably you wouldn't take Dan Campbell right now, straight up? Yeah, I would take Zach Taylor. Oh, boy. Oh, I mean, boy. have you not watched? Dan Campbell makes some dumb in-game decisions. He's not. Have uh, you seen Zach Taylor? Who's I have. I, I mean, pounds? I was telling you guys that the things that concerned me were uh, him going for it and not going for it on fourth down where he had one fourth and three at the three yard line, fourth and goal from the three where he decided to go for it. And then a fourth and three where Joe Burrow got sacked for a 26 yard loss, but the Bengals got bailed out on a holding flag. Uh, just, so, there's no rhyme or reason to his in-game decisions. I think you tweeted this, that this is the worst loss of Brady's career point difference wise. Is that right? Uh, this was the worst blown lead at lead. home in Brady's career. He had never his his team had never blown a lead to seventeen points or more in a home game. So let me follow that up by saying, some team Mike McCarthy perhaps will be worried if they're down seventeen nothing against this this Bucks team in the first half. The second half, Tom Brady looked like he was halfway to ninety years old, which he is, and he looked like he did not want to be out there. Uh, he did not look like he could throw the ball where he wanted to throw it. Uh, the mistakes seem to pile up quite quickly, and that team looked pretty pretty dejected once it became clear that they were not going to win. Yeah, he tied. Well, the thing is, the wheels fell off the wagon for Tampa. On It started with their first possession when they ran a fake punt and apparently forgot to tell their up back <laughs> that a fake Bernard. punt was coming. Yeah, Gio Bernard, the snap goes right to him instead of the punter. And it just, he's like, what the hell's going on, guys? Why did you snap me the ball? And it just falls to the ground. And then he falls Deep on in it. Buccaneers territory. Right. And yeah, that was uh, a, the, the, the line of scrimmage was the 26. So you're talking he uh, the snap hit him when he was standing at like the 18 or 19 yard line. And so, I, I mean, that was a disaster. I don't know how you let that happen. I don't know how you call a fake punt and do not let the up back know that a fake punt has been called. That is inexplicable. And then obviously Brady threw two picks, also had an inexcusable uh, interception or, or fumble, lost fumble. I mean, it was just disaster for Brady compared to, especially when you compare it to how well he played in the first half. Do you do you ever remember seeing a um, entire quarter of possessions by a single professional football team where every drive resulted in a turnover? No, I assume assume we were counting turnover on downs, four plays, negative one yards, turnover on downs, five plays, twenty six yards, interception. Three plays, negative eight yards, fumble. Three plays, 13 yards, fumble. That is the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a 17 to nothing halftime lead. Like, what the hell, man? You forgot the next series. Three plays, 11 yards, interception. Yeah, and then after that, three plays, nine yards, punt. Then that garbage time touchdown to like maybe cover some teases. Yeah, but hey, you keep pushing them on the end of the Guess who the biggest winner on Sunday was? You get the, the Buccaneers. Dance. You get the dance. You got Tom Brady. I'm. I would not rule anything out. I would. Yeah. I mean, that, luckily they play in that dog dookie division. Someone, someone left a comment said I shouldn't say dog dude anymore. So dog dookie, maybe that's better. Um, but and the only reason that someone won in the the Falcon Saints game is because Andy Dalton led the Saints to to victory, uh, and also the Falcons quarterback quit 
last week and they replaced him with a rookie who hadn't played <laughs> until today. So, yeah, I mean, it was Carolina had an opportunity. They, they let it slip through their fingers against uh, uh, the Mr. Bisky led Steelers team. And I don't know which team is the best team in this division in terms of the way they're playing week in and week out. But this is a lot of truly terrible football. And you guys can talk yourself into Tom Brady if you want to. I gave Brenton this fun fact earlier. Uh, the NFC South is 1-13 this year against the AFC North. Did we figure out what the one win was? I hope it's the Steelers. Uh, it was the Falcons. Damn it. Yeah, they did. The Actually, Steelers. the Steelers. No, the Steelers have, might be 4-0. No. It, it was the Falcons over the... Uh, they beat the Browns. Ah, there it is. Um, by three. And this is probably actually this is good, uh, Billy. Let's uh, let's uh, toss a little post-it note on this. But is this NFC just quickly? We can say yes or no and move on. Is this NFC South rendition the worst division in the history of football? Well, the the NFC East has been pretty bad in recent years. I have to go back and check. I mean, the, I mean, the Panthers have gone to the playoffs as a division champion with a 500 or lower record, I believe twice the Seahawks did it and nearly did it twice, two years in a row. Uh, the beast quake year. Just, just asking. But yeah. the thing is, you know, all those playoff teams have in common. They, they won. They win playoff games. They make playoff runs. They win playoff games. Ooh. This year is going to be the exception. I, re- so I, I, maybe, I you shouldn't be trashing the teams with the losing records. Breach, I I gotta tell you, I am so aggressively rooting for Tom Brady to win. I I didn't think I'd ever want to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl because and you know, this is like we've been to a bunch of Super Bowls, whatever. Seeing him in a bunch of them, he's always there. I don't want to see him again, but I want to see him this year just for you, Wilson. Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's fine by me. Yeah, if, if 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 Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl this year, you're getting dragged. Okay, I'm fine with that. He sucks. They suck. They're a terrible team. I mean, we're, they're six and eight, and they just got they got who, su- who sucks? They got curb stomped by who's, after who's, going who's up seventeen nothing. Thomas. So who? the Commanders were the last team to win a division with the with a losing record. That was in 2020. That was the COVID year, seven and nine. They lost in the wild card round. The Ooh. Panthers you were talking about won the division in 2014, seven eight and one. They won their wild card game and then obviously uh the Seahawks the with Saints. the beast quake in 2010 after they went seven and nine. All right uh Wilson we're gonna play a quick game just for posterity. I'm gonna say a string of words and you're gonna say either sucks or doesn't suck. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Goat does he sucks or doesn't suck? He's having a very tough year. He's not playing well. Oh, I think he would say that. He sucks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022. They're hot garbage. I mean, that's not even up for debate. <laughs> I was just, I just wanted you like saying Tom that's Brady fine. I mean, I, I mean, it's not any grand secret what you're trying to do. Billy, I, Billy, Billy told me to, Billy told me to ask you that. I'm sorry. I, I doubt that he did, but that if even, even so, I mean, you act like I'm going on a huge limb. The they're Buccaneers have played, they, they, the whole played terribly. They're awful. Uh, so Jalen Hurts threw two three second prediction. Who wins the NFC South? Panthers. Still, I don't know. I don't. I'm not answering that question on on just. I'm just refusing to answer because it's. I hate this division. I'm going to so go much. Buccaneers just because. I was saying Panthers. They have a game lead and the whole division's horrible, so that game means a lot. But I don't hate the Panthers, Brenton. 
Jalen Hurts, did he win or lose this weekend in terms of his MVP chances? Josh Allen played great. Mahomes was fine. Was like treaded water, I think. I, I, I keep, I think. Mahomes was good, but he wasn't like didn't have some explosive performance. Completed twenty in a row. That's pretty good. No, 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 no. I mean, but like I, I'm saying, like Mahomes didn't have this like wow moment where he obliterated the Texans and you know, people were like, all right, he's the favorite now. All right, who else? And Joseph Edward Patrick Burrow Jr. took down Tom Brady to maybe slide into the top three. So did Jalen Hurts hurt or help his MVP chances this weekend? I sound like, I mean, Joe Burrow only threw for 200 yards. He'd have four touchdowns, but again, they were playing a team with, with a bunch of JV folks out there. Uh, in terms of Jalen Hurts, I don't think he hurt himself. I mean, three he, rushing touchdowns is obviously. He, he had, you mentioned the two interceptions, but he had previously thrown an interception. I mean, he only had one prior to that in the last however many weeks. So he was due. Uh, you mentioned the three rushing touchdowns, ran for 61 yards, still threw for 315. A.J. Brown was wearing fools out. So was Devontae Smith. Feel free to cite this stat on the YouTube uh, screen. because Yeah, it's Billy just put a graphic. Most games with multiple rushing touchdowns. Cam Newton has 10. Number two is Jalen Hurts at eight. So shout out to Otto Graham with seven. <laughs> That's awesome. And Jack Kemp, Senator Jack Kemp breach also has seven. Um, yeah. Uh, also, we should note that like, and I don't, I don't like to give this uh, unnamed former producer much credit, but Debo called Jalen Hurts a top five rushing quarterback of all time last year. I think he's right. He's on to something. Yeah, he definitely did hurt himself. In fact, I would argue it's not like when um, Alabama plays Troy in, in week nine and they, they win 28 to 21 and it, it affects their, their ranking the following week in the, in the AP poll. Um, the Bears, they're an NFL team. They have NFL players out there. Justin Fields is, is you know fighting for his life, sometimes literally. Yeah, I think Justin Hurt, uh, Jalen Hurts helped himself with the way he played and I don't know who's going to win. Like this is like this feels like one of the best MVP races that I can remember. But maybe I'm just has a short have a short memory about these things. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's the best, only because I feel like Hurts. I don't want to say he's the runaway favorite right now, but I have a hard time seeing him lose it unless somebody goes off. Uh, between now and the end of the season, I don't feel like unless Mahomes has a five touchdown game somewhere in here. I'm not sure it's going to be easy for him because, you know, he closed his last two games are Broncos Raiders. You're playing two teams that might have losing records, uh, Seahawks on Christmas Eve. So they're going to need, uh, he's going to have to do something big. I think that the two best candidates would probably be Joseph Lee Burrow, who has to go to new England on Christmas Eve followed by a game against the Bills on Monday night, followed by a finale that might be for the AFC North title in week 18. So you have kind of three big games. And if Burrow goes off in those three games, uh, maybe he has a chance to put a dent into Jalen Hurts' lead. But it just feel like it's Hurts' award to lose. And to your point, Wilson, uh, there has not been an MVP vote that has been separated by uh, 10 votes or less. It's been over a decade since that's happened. Yeah. It feels like this could be the year. Well, and like, again, I don't need to belabor the point here about the, the, so MVP for MVP, for all the other awards, you, you rank your one through three 
and you get points assigned. For the MVP this year, you rank five. And I do think there's like some interesting math in that because like when you're talking to these voters, we don't know who like I think if Joe Burrow closes the season strong, Pete Prisker will put him one over Jalen Hurts. And that's not, and that's not, I'm not, I'm not dogging Pete for it. I think it, it, it potentially deserved, but he has a preconceived bias because he said that Joe Burrow would win multiple Super Bowls for the Bengals. And he, and I think Josh Allen could be two for him and Jalen Hurts could be three despite really good seasons if Jalen Hurts sits in week 18. So I think that, that part of the MVP voting is really, really interesting. Yeah. Just the fact that the votes are going to be tiered and that, uh, you know, first place votes you you could theoretically win the mvp without getting the most first place votes correct exactly whereas i don't, I don't think it will happen but it could do you let me ask you this wilson do you think russell wilson will get an mvp vote this year why are you asking me that <laughs> get, get a pity one because somebody puts him at fifth just sorry, pure pity uh and real quick the last time the mvp was just 10 or uh fewer votes separated the first and second place people was 2005 Mm-hmm. Do you know who won it? Uh, was that McNair and Peyton? That's some that, guess was that was a good guess. That was a tie in 2003. That's a guess Donovan McNabb. I don't know why that name came to mind. 2005. Yeah. No, 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 no. should know because the Steelers played the MVP in the Super Bowl. 2005. Oh, was, uh, oh, no. no. Yeah, they played the... No, 2005, they played the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and who was the MVP? Sean Alexander. Oh, it was Sean Alexander, Alabama. Sean Alexander got ni- 19 votes. And number two was Peyton Manning with 13. Back in, back in a time in, a, in, a, in an era when a running back could win a uh, MVP. Although we should note the next year. Do you guys know who the running back was that won it the next year? LT. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. All right. You know what we should do? In the games, we, I'm completely confused by this setup. What are you confused by? It's just not the normal setup. I'm not checking off the boxes of games that we have. Okay. What games have we not covered that we need to talk about? We haven't talked about the greatest comeback in NFL history. That's that's a big one. So let's talk about that. Do you do you give the Vikings more credit breach or do you blame Jeff Saturday more for having a 45 second time of possession three and out in the second half after holding a 33 to nothing lead at halftime on Saturday? Uh 33 is like the reverse magic number for the Colts. I mean, if you're Jeff, Jeff Saturday, here's what you have on your resume for the past two weeks. Your team gave up 33 points in one quarter to the Dallas Cowboys, who scored the second most fourth quarter points in the history of football. So that was <laughs> two weeks ago. Then on Saturday, your team blows a 33-point lead, and that is the biggest comeback, the biggest blown lead in the history of professional football. But in football. between was the bye week. And in between, so maybe they he ate thirty three Twinkies or something that week because I, I just I, I put more of the blame on Saturday here. By the by the way, not to discredit the Vikings because coming back from thirty three points is still coming back from thirty three points. I think this may be my my favorite fun fact of all fun facts. Jeff Saturday is the first coach in NFL history to be named to have a to have Saturday as part of his name and coach on Saturday. Tell me when we yeah. get to the fun part of that fact. So if okay. they rename check it fun. <laughs> F you, bro. Come on. Um, I thought that uh no, that was fine. Steve Smith on NFL <laughs> Network <laughs> made, made a very smart. salient point after the game <laughs> where he said 
Jeff Saturday should be the first interim head coach fired. Huh? And not not the first fired among all the interim head coaches, because I think Jeff Saturday's the only one, but the first fired in, in NFL history. That's uh, fired how bad before he finishes his interim. His like, term, yes. I, and I don't even push back on that. I think Saturday said recently that he wants to be considered for the for the full-time job, like in recent weeks, not when he was hired in that weird press conference. And look, you know, Jim Irsay uh, owns the team, so he can do what he wants to do, but this, this just ain't working. <laughs> As Breach noted, you, you got steamrolled in the final quarter by the Cowboys. He's you had hired, a week off to think about it. He doesn't care. He's hiring this guy. That's fine. You had a week off to think about it, and, and then this happens. I, I don't think this is – you asked about – sort of Jalen Hurts and whether this week was good or bad for him. This is bad for the Vikings. Yeah, they, they beat up on this sorry excuse for a team. Their point differential, I think, is either plus two or minus two right now over the course of the year. They and are currently two plus two. Yeah, that, that ain't great. Like, 11-3 and three is great. You're down 33 nothing to the freaking Colts at halftime in a game where you could clinch a division at home. Like, I was wincing when Matt Ryan was throwing the ball. You could tell his arm hurt so bad. And he's still carving up this Vikings. And I know Vikings fans are so angry at Ed Donatel for the way he plays defense. Everyone just plays off and gives up these huge cushions and gives up big plays. And nothing's changing. He said, we're not changing. It's too late in the season. So when you don't face Matt Ryan, who can barely hold his, his arm above his head, it, it's going to be an issue. And we've seen the the cracks in the in the dam over the last, you know, month of the season. So yes, it's a win. Yes, they're 11 three. Those are all great things, but I, I got some, some huge concerns. I don't know if you feel similarly breach. So and before you jump in breach, I would point out the graphic here on YouTube, most one score wins in 14 games in a season in NFL history, 2022 Minnesota Vikings, 10, 2019 Seahawks, 10, the giants in 86 and the Oilers in 78 had nine each. I don't know what the, the, the three of the bottom have in terms of their losses, I, the Vikings are 10 and 0 in one score games. This is a house of cards. Right? The, the 2019 Seahawks were were 11 and 5. And they, they lost in the divisional round though. They lost in the divisional round. The 1986 New York Giants on the other hand, that's the team the Vikings would like to emulate. That team went 14 and 2 and won the Super Bowl. Right, so but, you th- yeah, but what was the record were they like 9 and 0 in one score games? Uh, no, they I mean, lost, that, they lost two, one, four games. Bill Parcells and our colleague, Phil Sims, who's fantastic. They went two. 10 and two or nine and two in one score yeah. games, but, but their other five wins, they were destroying opponents, which we have not seen from the Vikings. Right. And they also never lost a game by more than five points, which we're not seeing from the Vikings. Vikings, when they lose, they get smashed. They have some yep. bad losses. And it's you just, almost have to go back, what, 36 years to find a team that was able to do what the Vikings are trying to do. The right. Vikings are just a weird team. They perplex us every week. Every week, they do something where we're like, there's no, we cannot give them credit, but we should give them credit. And then once you give them credit, you're like, why do we give them credit? They didn't deserve the credit. And just talk yourself in circles because that's what they do to you. It's Kirk Cousins looks horrible. And then he throws for 460 yards and the defense can't stop anyone. And then they shut down the team in the, the final quarter and a half. And it's just, it's unbelievable trying to figure out anything with this team. So I, I do think it is worth pointing out that if and I'm not suggesting that Kirby Cousins, your boy, Ryan, is anywhere on the level of Tom Brady. No one's saying that. But the NFL playoffs is a very volatile situation. <laughs> Dude, the Vikings. Go ahead. 
Weird stuff can happen in the playoffs. The Vikings can absolutely get weirdly hot and just run the table and get to the and get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. Do I think it'll happen? No. But like the Buccaneers, if you're in the dance, you have an opportunity to close things out. Okay. Well, let's start putting some some wins over Brentson numbers on these things. So, what are the chances that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win a playoff game? Where do, what do you have that percentage at? Uh, I don't know, uh, forty five. That's way too high. What about the Vikings? Uh, Vikings are much higher. Better home. They have a. They're playing a lower seed, and they have a home playoff game. Okay. What are you giving them? Uh, I think the Vikings are like sixty five. Okay. So uh, just for football outsider's sake, I, I was looking them up real quick. Somehow Tampa Bay is thirteenth in DBOA, which is hysterical. Uh, but that's where they're thirteenth. They're ahead of Cleveland and, and the and the Packers, who are right behind them. Minnesota is 21st. I think I said this last week, too. They're just ahead of the, the Saints and the Broncos. So that gives you some indication and actually lends credence to your argument that the Buccaneers perhaps could catch, you know, lightning in the bottle. The Vikings feel like that's it, a huge ask. Just Well, I, again, agreed completely. But the Giants have two Super Bowls that they really didn't deserve to win. They just got hot and ran the table. 36 the, years ago. Well, we saw we saw the, the the Packers did it in 2010. It has been less it's been less frequent lately because of and maybe it's the change in how the seating is structured, where the number one seed gets the buy, and and not the you know. But that's in what, 2010, the Packers were number three in DVOA. No, I'm not. I, I I'm just suggesting that I'm actually not going to look and see what the Giants were in '86. They they I'm guessing they're. I met the Giants in '07 and '11. Yeah, I just meant the the one we're talking about with the the point differential. Right. My about. point is that like if you get in the playoffs, we're like the Eagles who won with Carson Wentz injured and Nick Foles playing quarterback and everyone wearing dog mask. Like weird things happen in the in in the playoffs. The Bengals last year, no one thought they were going to the Super Bowl. Correct. I did. Okay, that's true. Actually, I did. I bet. I bet the Bengals Niners final. And lost the bet because one team didn't feel fold under the bargain. It was Matthew Stafford. All right, moving along. And by the way, Bengals were 17th last year in DVOA. So that that is the best case scenario for yeah. both the, the, the Buccaneers and the Vikings. What's next? Well, if I'm those teams, the Bengals being the best case scenario means my team's awesome. I'm on the Vikings bandwagon now if that's their best case scenario. Let's Bengals, Vikings, losers. Super Bowl. We cover the Cowboys. Cover the stinky, stinky NFC South. God, it's so stinky. We covered stinky, stinky Jeff Saturday. Do we want to call Jacoby Myers a loser? That feels mean. I would throw Dak on there real quick just to throw this stat out. Uh, He has nine interceptions since week 10. This is from our guys at CBS Sports Research. Nine interceptions since week 10. No other quarterback in the NFL has even thrown more than five. And he's had some bad ones. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I mean, he threw the pass. I don't know if they talked to Ramondre Stevens, Stevenson who lateral the ball to Jacoby Myers into that football game. So I'll put Ramondre in there. I'll put Jacoby in there. I'll put Mac Jones in there, my dude, for not tackling Chandler Jones no matter what. Like, you cannot let Chandler Jones get away from you. You can't let him stiff arm you into the turf as you lay there like a turtle on your back. So I mean, to do anything about it. let's take back off the list. He had no idea that Jacoby Myers was going to be boneheaded enough there? to throw a lateral. That's scoring. There's no one else back there. If Mac Jones catches oh, it, he gets is- destroyed, and he's out for the season. 
Why is he's not going anywhere. Why is Bill Belichick saying, hey, if you get the ball on the 20-yard line, bomb it back to midfield to Mac Jones? I think that the is Andrew a failure on special teams, offense, and head coaching. There was no you, way the Patriots coaching staff called for any of this. You answered your own question, Bridge. I think they were trying to get Mac Jones killed. I think that's what we, we've concluded. <laughs> By the way. Like, this feels like a Matt Patricia special to me. Well, it, the special teams coach was losing his mind because uh, they – blew an assignment um, on the edge. I think it was maybe Nelson Aguilar. Maybe, I apologize if it wasn't. Anyway, they had a punt blocked. Um, so they had a uh, – it was a comedy of errors. And they stayed the week out there. I don't remember where they played last week, but they didn't come Arizona. home. So they went to, from Arizona, uh, presumably to Vegas. They were out there all week. And, and then they had that game to win despite the, the, the mistakes early on. And I would imagine that Ramondre and or Jacoby thought they were down. And maybe what happened was when Ramondre lateraled the ball, which I didn't necessarily hate because he, he had a pretty big run. And the Ramondre lateral was fine. And then Jacoby got the ball and maybe just clicked on him like, okay, we got to keep this thing going. And he he just totally lost sense of where he was. And then Mac Jones just said, well, I'm it, not going to try to tackle challenge. The, the thing with the Jacoby thing is, and, and like Jacoby's a really smart player. Yeah, Anthony uh, Bartolucci in the chat points out, let's get real, this is on Bill. Yeah, he's I think a coach, absolutely. This, to me, this is the most important point about all about this final play in the Patriots-Raiders game, is that for 20-plus years, Bill Belichick let other people make these mistakes and hand him wins that, because in the NFL, if if you just don't make the mistakes, you can get more wins, you just, you'll win more often than you'll lose. And that was like a hallmark of Belichick's and Tom Brady's in the dynasty of the Patriots was that they would not make the idiot mistakes that we clown on the Jeff Saturday mistakes of the world. And on Sunday, this was like a quintessential non-Patriots mistake, right? Yes, it was. And you can blame Belichick here, obviously, because he's the head coach and the buck stops here. And if you are going to blame, I, I still think this is a, entirely a player issue. The players went rogue and decided for some reason. You don't lateral it unless you're losing for this exact reason. If you were in a tie game, you let it go to overtime. But crazy. that being said, Belichick, as the head coach, should have known with three seconds left at your own 45. You either are going for a touchdown or you're going for overtime. Don't make this ambiguous. Don't confuse your players. Try a Hail Mary. He said after the game that Mac Jones can't throw that far. Call call a hook and ladder. Do something. You're not scoring a touch on a draw. You're just wasting a play where your running back might fumble and it might be picked up and returned for a touchdown. And if you're going to call a draw, then just kneel it and go to overtime. So either play for overtime or go for the touchdown. Don't confuse your players by saying, all right, we're going to try and maybe score on this play, even though we probably won't because it's a draw. So in that sense, I do think you put blame on Belichick, but I think for the most part, it's on the players. And I guess Matt Patricia probably called this play, so that's a way we can blame him. <laughs> I mean, so they, they I watched it again. They snapped the ball. Ramondre Stevenson is at midfield. And like the 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 draw went well. Like he ran, he ran for like 15, 20, 25 yards. It, it worked out well. He's got good blocking, but there's no time left on the clock. If you if the game is tied. And there's no time left on the clock. Under no circumstances do you give up possession of the football, right? Correct. This is very correct. It's it's just very un. It makes you it makes you like there's been there's been some of this stuff the last two years with Belichick, and it at least makes you wonder. Like, is I don't know, lost his edge. 
I mean, At, to Breach's point, you can't make him do what you tell him to do. And it's not like this is he hired, he hired his old defensive coordinator as his, as his offensive coordinator. Well, unless you look at the actual and throwbacks. If you look at the actual play sheet, and there's actually a, a play where Stevenson's supposed to lateral the ball to Jacoby, then you can blame Matt Patricia. But I mean, at some point, and but look, it is Belichick's fault because he's a coach. But this ain't this ain't like Pee Wee football. You think he would <laughs> not to do uh, this it, thing? It, it's it's just really weird to see this organization that's been run so tightly for so long. And that didn't make these mistakes. Like this is a game you just cannot lose. They're, 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 awesome. Their playoff percentages went from like ninety or like maybe it was like uh, seventy-five to twenty-five. Well, they'd be the sixth seed right now if they had won this game. It's, I mean, that's a huge difference. And now you're the first team out. And and the guy who's coaching the other team has been getting blitzkrieg all year, and he's your former mid, like minty, like. And the most hilarious part is that the total bonkersness of this play totally overshadowed the touchdown before it when the refs decided to let the Raiders touchdown stand. Yeah, touchdown, my God. When Derek Carr threw. It's like, this guy's foot is in the white area of the insert. And they're like, well, there's not sufficient evidence to decide what happened. You know what, though? I, go ahead, Wilson. Oh, God. Breach is going to give some bleeding heart explanation as to why this <laughs> touchdown should. Go ahead, Breach. Here's all I'm going to say is that like, I don't, you probably should have overturned it, but the their best angle from a camera was at an off-center angle. So you're not looking at it straight down the line. So you don't know exactly where the toe is, even if it gives the illusion of being over the line. That doesn't mean it is because you're not looking at a straight line. What you could be seeing is an optical illusion that makes it look like it's over the line. You don't know this for oh, sure. I just, I, I mean, I agree with the officiating crew that you probably need to stand with the call in the field because what you're saying here is we trust the official who looked at this down the line over our off-center camera know. angle. I, Here's I mean, the thing, Breach. Using that logic, that's like my little ball head coming up to your front porch and your little ring camera can't see my face exactly, but you see my ball head shimmering in the light. And I'm just wailing eggs at your front door. I was like, well, Breach, you, you don't know it's me. You can't see my face exactly. I mean, it looks like me, but do you want to say it's me and have to face the repercussions of making fun of brown ball people? Even though I got on a pick six podcast shirt and I'm yelling Brits and sucks the whole time. <laughs> uh, well, we don't know with 100% certainty. It was hey, we, we can't be convinced that's Ryan. And, and you're wearing your shirt that says, like, I'm Ryan Wilson. Yeah, that could yeah. be anybody. Billy, can you, toss up, uh, can you toss up this picture of the, I mean, look, I, I don't know how you. What it, what's the word that Breach used? Illusion? The, the optical illusion. Optical illusion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, guess what? It's not it's an optical so illusion because... Like, it's magic. Guess what? Yeah. It, look at this. Because it's that, an off-center angle. What is out of bounds, dude? I don't know what to tell you. This I is mean, not an optical illusion by me, by the way. This is a screenshot yeah. of the NFL tweet. All right. Are you guys ready to apologize? Yes, I've got the, I've got the smoking gun. Okay. I've got the smoking gun. It's a literal in my hand. smoking gun. <laughs> it is from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You know you can't <laughs> shoot us in the through the internet, right? <laughs> yeah, well, don't never say never with him. Oh, shh. Go ahead, apologize. That's pretty good. <laughs> no, but no controversy. It's a touchdown. Just admit it. Just admit it. You were wrong, and I was right. How is that even possible for this? Admit to you were wrong, and I was right. Don't put that up, Billy. Admit you were wrong, and I was right. That's all I want. I, oh, it's right there. The evidence oh, no. is right there. It's no, right no. there. Delete, delete, exit, exit. <laughs> no, actually, wait, if you, if you, if you, you're talking, see you guys later. Billy, you're putting up our whole Slack chat. That's not cool. 
if you zoom in, <laughs> if you zoom in, what what happens here? His toe it's is an optical illusion. You don't no, know. There's no look, definitive evidence. Listen, his, the toe in his Air Jordan cleats are black, and it looks like it blends into the edge of the end zone. <laughs> They're actually it's actually on the white. If you look at it on the the clip that I don't, I don't think it's on the white. You can see the grass spray up in front of it. I think Wilson's, it's close Wilson's enough right. that you can't no, overthrow no, it. Wilson's correct. There's Thank an you. entire – you're missing the entire heel. The spray-up of the white indicates that he's out of bounds. You're no, just, this you're is just, a picture that was taken in an instant. We don't know if this picture was taken a split second late, then he was easily in. Breach, do you see the white stuff flying up in the air that you just yes. gave us? Do you see the – Billy, zoom in as far as close as you can. To his cleats. Wilson is 100% right. There is a. Thank you. No, this picture there, proves that it's too close to call. There is a front, I don't know what you call it, a heel or a toe guard no, no, on no, this no. shoe. This from L.E. Basco from the Washington. You're treating as a blank space in the end zone. It is not. He is, it, the toe is I think it's, it's too close to call. And white stuff is spraying up in the air because he's out of bounds. No, it's because he, he, he his toe is dragging <laughs> to the out of bounds. No, no, it's not. What do you think? What do you think is causing the white stuff to spray up in the air? His shoes? Because his toe eventually hits it. That Brinson, there's there's white chalk in the end zone. Are you not looking at the end zone? No, no, it's not chalk. It's white paint. Chalk near him, man. It's not chalk. It's paint. Number one. It's no, all over chalk. the end zone. It's not just on the sideline. Okay, I think Wilson's right. Thank you. Zoom close. I'm just saying it's not as possibly can this YouTube. It's not as cut and dry. I, I think I think you just. Actually, like you're you basically like you're OJ Simpson and walked in with like evidence confirming that you are in fact if I, I wrote the book if I did it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I, I I think when you initially look at this, that I agree with you, Breach, but Wilson's right. You see that there's a gigantic layer of toe on that shoe that is clearly touching the out of bounds layer. The, the bigger, there it is. Look, oh, I mean, that's out. Oh, oh, oh. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. But the, the bigger issue, yeah, that, Breach, that, that thing is so out of bounds. It is. But Breach's point. That's not so out of bounds. It's barely it's barely <laughs> out of bounds. And it's Breach is right. When we looked at the original photo, we're like, oh, my God, Breach is right. Number one. Yeah, Number two, yeah. you know how you solve this problem? You get cameras in the pylons, and then we don't have to have this stupid conversation. Well, well and to also, to your guys' point, the, the off-centered angle from overhead made it look like it was way out of bounds, like he was three inches out of bounds, when clearly, if it's anything, it's two centimeters. Our buddy Joe Musa is in the chat, and he, he he's right. He goes, I elect willful ignorance because uh, it led to one of the dumbest ways to lose a football game of all time, and it was the pass. Fair enough. It, I, I think the I think like this is my larger issue with all of this stuff, by the way, is that when we have a game that is – on a, a standalone situation, an island game. God, you, love, and, you love island games as much as the uh, three man <laughs> voting in the MVP. <laughs> island games, it's a new thing, man. Um, island games are hot right now. No, but it's like it, there's a game that's being played on Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night. That game, every or a playoff game, every single time, if there's a like kind of a eh, close but probably pretty obvious officiating situation. They get an immediate overturn from the NFL offices in New York. When there's 10 games going on, somehow these guys can't handle watching 10 games. It's insane. Like, what? you're a $15 billion business. Hire three people to watch each game, pay them a minimal, minimal amount of money, 
and just make sure that if there's a controversy, they come and pull like Al Riveron out of the hot tub, tell them to put down the margarita and come make a call on it. it it's it's wild how just what's wilder that they continue to do this or that you get angry about the same thing every week. <laughs> I guess probably me. Yes, <laughs> that's that's the point. All right. warning down. Who's the biggest loser? Jacoby Meyer? Not Jacoby Meyer. The, the Patriots loss or what Jeff Saturday's done the last two weeks? Like, what's more debilitating? I think it's the Patriots because... Last three weeks. He had last week off. Well, well, because, like, the Patriot Belichick had a chance to sort of flip this building. He can't win without Brady narrative on his head. But Tom... Breach noted he, he would have been inside the playoff bubble right now. Exactly. And where, whereas Jeff Saturday, it's like... Like you, I think you were EK or somebody said a, a note in Slack was like, there's got to be a tweet about blowing a 33 point lead by Jeff Saturday. Like, I mean, yeah, if Jim Mercer hires Jeff Saturday, it's, it is what it is. It's going to be a disaster. Okay. Let's look at the playoff picture and get out of here. So the AFC, Buffalo, Kansas City, clinched. Cincinnati is the three seed ahead of Baltimore. Tennessee is the four seed for now. They're only one game up. Technically a half game up with Jacksonville because the Jags beat them. Baltimore, the five seed. Chargers, the six seed. Miami, the seven seed. We thought this was going to be like kind of stock image sort of playoff picture stuff heading down the stretch. There's chaos erupting on both sides of of the bracket. And... I love it. The Jets and the Pats are out. Jacksonville's coming strong. You don't want to count out the Raiders. You can count them out, I think. I would count out the Browns. I would definitely <laughs> count out the Steelers. Why would you count? Why would you not count out the Browns? I mean, I don't know. These teams are kind of collapsing, dude. Well, Breach, let me ask you this. Where are the Bengals going to finish in this list? How high can they get? Brinson says one. That's- I, see, I, see, I think the Bengals get the one seed. You better hope they don't play the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Made them snort. What do you think? Breach, unmute your phone, your microphone, numb nuts. The Bengals were five and four going into their bye. Wait, hold they- on. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Breach will tell us where the Bengals will finish next. Okay. okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Breach, where did the Bengals finish? In the AFC standings. They're five and four after the bye. And, you know, they had that stretch where they're going to Tennessee. Then they had to play the Chiefs. And they were playing Deshaun Watson's Browns. The Browns that they were, Joe Burrow had never beaten. 
Then they had to play Tom Brady's Buccaneers in Tampa. And it was just like, there's no way they can win all those games. We get it. We get it. And they did. So now that we've gotten this far, I think they can win out. And obviously the big one is the Monday night game, but it's at home. And that's the one against the Bills, the final Monday night game of the year in week 17. Uh, And if they win out, they need the Chiefs to stumble once to get the one seed. So I don't know if that's going to happen. No, I, I do not think the Bengals get the one seed. I, you, I deeply regret not betting the Bengals to win the AFC North. Who'd you bet sure. the Ravens? I have a lot of Ravens, and I yeah. had a chance to get Bengals two to one. And I really, really regret. All right, I so would, you have me on the podcast every week trying to sell you on the Bengals. You didn't. I literally them. did a video saying I think the Bengals will win the Super Bowl. Everyone should bet this. I just forgot to bet them to win the dang division. Okay, didn't even take his own advice. I bet All the right. Bengals, Bengals uh, Niners Super Bowl matchup. Brunson, which which teams are getting in at six and seven? I, I think the Ravens are in at five. Worst case. I, I, I think so. Ravens are in. Man, it's tough. I, so yeah, I, I think, I think, I think the, the wild card for me is can the Titans get in or no. can the Jaguars get in? Whoever like, wins that division, that's only one team. I, I don't know. Like. They're only one game back. I guess the, the Jaguars are two games back. Yeah, but the Titans lose are seven and eight, and that's a wrap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. I think it's Chargers and Miami are the two best teams. It feels like it's chalk as we sit here. Breach, do you want to make a case for anyone that's on the outside? Uh, I already said I think the Chargers are in. The Dolphins. feel good about that loss. A little more iffy. (laughs) Uh, Chargers run the table, but that sounds stupid. Yeah, it does sound crazy when you verbalize it. I could see a – because look, you look at the – Have you seen the Raiders' schedule? The Raiders – I mean, the Raiders are not the dark horse. They got to face the mighty Steelers next at week. Steelers, Niners at home, Chiefs at home, and that gets them to nine and eight. Max. They're not winning those. They're not winning all three of those games. They're not winning. Yeah, they're they're max eight and nine. So what I was going to say about the Dolphins though is that their last two games are against the Patriots and Jets, who are both seven and seven, and so. I think there's a chance we see that Dolphins Jets game in Week 18 for a wild card spot. What? How, how many wins? What is the minimum number of wins to get an AFC uh, wild card spot? Nine. Because the Browns host the Saints at Washington at Pittsburgh. The Browns are not getting to nine wins. I would not rule that out. They may not get to seven wins. <laughs> I would not rule out the Browns nine wins. They're not going to the playoffs. I look better, man. The, the, today he looks a lot better. Or on, on, on Saturday, he looks a lot better. You know how low the bar was coming into this game? I I would. Those three games are winnable, man. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the Browns. Somebody, I think, in the chat wanted me to talk about Cade York, which I'll only do really quick. Uh, he started the season 8 of 8, and since then, he's 14 of 22 with mm. field goals. So if I'm the Browns, and he shanked one badly, uh, the Browns were trying to ice the game, and he just kept missing on Saturday night. 14-22, 63% of his field goals uh, since week five. So, yeah, it's definitely mildly concerning if you're a Browns fan. So, Breach, did you give us a six and seven seed or not for AFC? So I, I think the Chargers are six, and uh, if I want to go out on a limb, I'll say the Jets seven, but I feel like you guys are probably right. It's the Dolphins. We're just going to go I, I think it's Chargers and Dolphins. I think it's just... I think this holds, but I mean, we said that two weeks ago. What about the NFC yeah. side of things? All right. I'll ask uh, again, either one of you can answer this question. Six and seven? Where? No, I'm going to start up top. Where did the Minnesota Vikings end up? 
Second, Ooh. third, or fourth. By the way, uh, we have four, just for clarity, four teams in the NFC, Philadelphia, Minnesota, San Francisco, and Dallas. Minnesota and San Francisco have clinched their divisions. All four of those teams have clinched a playoff spot. What was your question, Wilson? Do the Vikings finish second, third, or fourth in the conference? Uh, Tampa's going to finish. Uh, NFC South will finish fourth, 100%. That, that we know. All right. If you can get that anything better than minus 10,000, you take that. <laughs> second or third? <laughs> Six and eight. They're just in the playoffs. Uh, I think San Francisco is two. Minnesota's three. I, I, I'm going to stick with uh, – it'll cost me money, but I'll stick with it. I think Carolina's going to finish four. Dallas five, Detroit, and, uh, and Seattle is my pick. Seattle. I want to say Green Bay, but it's like so ridiculous. I don't know. Where are you getting Seattle? They're not that far out. They're playing terribly, and Geno's lost his luster. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to play the Chiefs this week. Well, they're going to beat the Chiefs. Geno Smith revenge game. Then he gets the Jets for another revenge game. There you go. What's the, the Chiefs revenge angle? It's uh, He's... Went to Kansas City one time on his way to the draft and stopped there and hates this town. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I would go with Detroit just because they're my sentimental favorite to get in. And then I, I just, really want Detroit to get in. I don't know if the, I don't want to trust this Giants team based on the way they played just on Saturday, Sunday night because they, they've sort of been iffy. Are they better than Washington or is Washington better than the New York? I, I'll repeat this again. I, I tweeted this at our, uh, our editor, Dan uh, Schneider, but like this is. This is like the 2017 Bills team all over again. Yeah, you got the know that's, Who's that more disrespectful to? <laughs> no, it's, it's a team that is not as good as the level of – they're not as good as their record. They're playing above their head. They're going to make the playoffs and get smoked in a wild card game. But it's, it's such a solid building block. You should be thrilled if you're a Giants fan about what you're seeing from this Giants team. So, actually, I want to amend mine. I'm going to say Giants and Detroit. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning that way. I, I just I, I don't trust. I like Taylor, Taylor Heineke as in terms of entertaining football, but I wouldn't trust him to like play consistently and not make mistakes. He, he had a couple mistakes on on Sunday night that cost him breach. Are you not entertained? I tweeted that Taylor Heineke's America's quarterback. I didn't realize it fairly is like terrible. Like people were like, oh, "Enjoy your mentions." I was like, "What? He's what'd you say he was?" I just he's like he's like yeah, he's like he drinks Bush Light. He runs around. He's a maniac. He's like he's like he's just fun, entertaining quarterback. What? Why were people angry about that? I, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Uh, I'm gonna go 49ers two, Vikings three, Buccaneers four, Cowboys five, Giants six, Lions seven. Oh, everyone's on the Lions bandwagon. Don't jinx it. Lions and Giants. Well, I was just looking at the Commanders' schedule, and I don't know that they're gonna win two more games. They still have to face the 49ers, the Cowboys. And then the Browns. Okay. The Panthers are idiots for trying to like beat the. I mean, I guess they have to because Steve Wilson's the coach. They want to win, but like, go lose the Lions next week. Get a high draft pick. Get a quarterback, guys. Come on. Anything else for the playoff race? Lions, 49ers in the wild card round. That'd be fun. That, no, it would not be fun. Jared Goff going back to California. It would not be fun for Detroit. <laughs> I'll tell you what? They will, they will toss Detroit. No, they won't. Lions, Lions, Vikings. However, not if Dan Campbell bites all of their kneecaps off, Brent. And how are they going to play with no kneecaps? Are you see that's old? That's like that's like talking about Philly fans throwing batteries, man. And no, we don't. You don't find that suspicious? Not at all. I don't find that suspicious at all. 
Detroit. Uh, That's it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Incredible weekend of football. Three weekends of regular season football left. We'll be live way too often. We live on Christmas night, by the way. Christmas night. We're going to have Christmas wine and Christmas bread and Christmas cookies and Elf on the Shelf Christmas for us, not everybody else. Shelf. I just want everybody to get that stuff ready. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> I'm scared of it. Um, it's, it's just fantastic. I hope everyone enjoys their Elf on the Shelf. Uh, Don't buy the accessories. Thanks for Reach, watching. Reach is our Elf on the Shelf. Rich is going to be pounding like Christmas mead. Pounding Pepto-Bismol at the end of this podcast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Wilson, for Breach, I am Brinson. See you guys later. Happy holidays, Breach. <laughs>